0: the idea of sanctity of life uh, uh, as we go forward. So we just consider, for God to so love the world that He gave His only begotten Son, an amazing truth, one that really probably can't even be fully fathomed, uh, but yet it's because it's dealing in the, in, the, in the depth of the love of God for, for us. But we're going to move on to this next phrase, which says, that whosoever believes in Him. I want to focus on this idea of whoever. Because when we think about the gospel going forth, I think we can understand this. Whoever, uh, as as God's love extends globally, this idea of whoever—it's—it's—it really means whoever. It's—it's—it's it's, it's not. Notice it doesn't say going back to it doesn't say for God so love the the Jews, uh, for God so love the Americans, for God so loved any. He says for God so love the world. It's in that whosoever in that world, whoever in that world, it's all-encompassing. And what we see is that God's love extends globally. It's an amazing thing that God loves. So when we think about this word, whoever, uh, it means, one, that this should uh, remind you of last week's sermon as we looked at Galatians chapter 4. These first three will be really right from that text, the fact that there's neither Jew nor Greek. That's ethnicity, Right? There's no ethnic distinction be, f- uh, between those who can come to faith in Christ and those who can't. It wasn't just for the Jews, and that rocked the Jews' world. There's no social distinction. There's neither slave nor free. There's, it doesn't matter where you fall on the, uh, the ladder of society. The gospel is available to you as you come to simple faith in the grace of God that was displayed uh, uh, through Christ. Right. And what he did. There is no gender distinction. He says there's no male and female. There's no distinction when we come to the to the cross of Christ. It is a beautiful truth that ethnicity, social standing, gender are not obstacles. And that was really all from the Galatians 4 passage that we looked at last week. But one more just for the sake of maybe you can think of another. I couldn't. There's, There's no age distinction. I remember Jesus, and you should remember Jesus as as he's talking to his disciples, and and they they stop the children from coming to him. He says, don't do that. Let the children come. Not only let them come, but you must be like them. No one enters the kingdom of God unless they enter it like a child. But we can think, I mean, I'm so thankful for the children in this room and for the adults in this room who were saved as children who did not have to experience the sinfulness that many others of us have experienced in life. I mean, I got saved in my teen years, right? 19. I'm telling you, at that young age, because at 19, is really young, all right, from my perspective now, all right, I I was guilty of a whole lot of sin. But thankfully, children much younger, much, much younger, come to faith. They come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what He did, the fact that He died for their sins. They get that. And so this whoever means whoever. It means all, right? All who come to faith. So God's love extends globally, and and praise God we're involved in in, in that uh, global ministry of the gospel going forth. But God's love also exists eternally. And, and this is this is that next phrase that the third of the the, the three phrases we're going to should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not do something they should not perish, but on the other hand, they will have everlasting life so let's just be clear as we as we enter into gospel discussions with those within our our circles, our family, our friends, our co-workers, the, the stranger on the street. Let's help them understand that what this is pointing out, this famous verse, is there's a contrast between life and perishing. It's life and death. Those are the stakes that we are involved in as we enter into this verse, in this discussion. We, God is saying, Jesus is saying, that I'm coming so that, some will have life and others will not and, and, and by having life, they will not perish. But he does add this word to everlasting life, and if you were going to genuinely contrast these two terms life and perishing, life and death I think we have to apply that everlasting word over to the perishing as well. I think theology, Bible would say that we can do that. Whoever believes in Him should not eternally perish, be outside of the presence of God, experiencing the holy, perfect wrath of God for eternity. They should not experience that, but by coming to faith in the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, they will have everlasting life. It's beautiful, and that's why we exist—to make them mature disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to make them. We want them to help to understand this truth, and then we want to nurture them in that truth for the rest. Of their lives and teach them to minister and nurture others in the same way. So, God's purpose in sending his son was to give life. That's really, I mean, if you think about it, God so loved the world, they gave his only God son, right? We got the faith thing in there, but why did he do it? So that they would not have death, but they would have life. So, I think we can say that God's purpose in sending his son was to give life. And we are in Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we are using this text, For God So Loved the World, to emphasize that God's purpose in sending His Son was to give life. And so we, as God's children, if you're a, genuine, if you're a Christian, come to faith in Christ. As God's children, we are called to sanctify all life. Not some life. All life. This is the thought that struck me, and I hope it communicates well to you as it, as it does in my heart. To diminish a single life. And I'm asking you to consider this morning, if you, if you are ever have, or if you are currently, is more specific, are you diminishing a single life today? Maybe by the time we're done, you'll be challenged. I don't know. But I ask you to consider our... Is there a life that you are diminishing? Because if we are willing to diminish a single life, I think it's to deny the love of God for that life. If God sent His Son into the world to redeem that uh, uh, person, right? Now, granted, we're dealing with, with believers and non-believers. We don't know. We don't know if a person is going to come to faith or not. So we have no right to, to diminish any life. To diminish a single life is to deny the love of God for that life. God sent his son to die for that life. How dare we diminish it? Another way of saying it is to diminish a life is to deny one's love for God. We're going we're to look at some different groups here in just a minute, but I, I want to just ask you to, to look at your own life. Are there those people who you just despise? Don't raise your hand and don't yell it out, okay? Okay. is that personal reflection thing that you do, right? Are there there people around you that really, that you just cringe? You're like, to diminish a life is to deny your love for God based upon what we know about God. So this, I think this is the point of Luke 10, 25 through 37. It's a familiar story, and we're just going to walk through it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Notice how many times the word all is used, all right? No compartmentalization allowed. You are supposed to love the Lord your God with heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then you are supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. This, these are the, this is the answer off of this person's lips. Jesus says to him, You have answered rightly. It's a great commandment. Do this and you will live. And here's the tension in the story. But he, the, the religious person, wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So which of these three, Jesus asked the religious person, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Familiar, familiar. Almost gut-wrenchingly familiar. Pastor, you're going to talk about this, and I've heard this talked about before, and, and there are certain aspects of the story that, that make me uneasy because I can see myself in this story. First of all, Jesus is speaking to this Jewish leader, and he identifies this person who fell among thieves. We don't know anything about the person who fell among thieves. We don't know what nationality he was. did don't know anything. But the two people that failed to do right were Jewish, and the person who did right was Samaritan. Those Samaritans, the Samaritans and the Jews did not have a healthy perspective of one another. So, in this text, we are to love, we we see that we are to love our neighbors as evidence of our love for God. He said to this Jewish religious leader, He said, Listen, you know the answer. You just gave it to me. So, let me tell you this story. And the purpose of the story is to convey that. Uh, we are to love our neighbors as evidence of our love for God. Love God, love your neighbor. It's as simple as that. You want to know who your neighbor is? Maybe we ought to wonder who our neighbor is as well. Who are our neighbors? It worked for Jesus and that religious leader. Now, we do not know what happened to that religious leader subsequent to that conversation. But I'm asking us today to enter into the dynamic of this story. There are people who are dying on the side of the road, Figurative, meta- metaphorically, whatever, to enter into the story. Who is our neighbor? I want to walk you through a list. And I, I'm not asking you to find someone on the list because I may not have done a good enough job of, of discerning some of this. So I'm asking you, if you see someone on this list that's your neighbor and that you have not Love the way God has called us to love, the way He loves them, then I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you then to, to figure out what God would have you to do in response to that. Uh, but maybe there's someone I haven't mentioned and, and uh, then whatever you think of, then you go ahead and apply that as well. So who are our neighbors? Our neighbors are the unborn. Certainly that's what we've been focusing on the last uh, three Wednesday nights and I encourage you to, get the, uh, to watch the video uh, of the last, the last three uh, Wednesday night services. You will be edified as a church body and as indiv- individuals as we see that we are our, some of our neighbors, those who cannot care for themselves, are the unborn. And on Sanctity of Life Sunday, that's normally the focus we have, and I'm good with that, but I want to go broader. Because although the, the unborn cannot fend for themselves, neither can sometimes the elderly, the sick, or the dying. There are other people in our world that need us to love them with a love that, betray, that, that, that displays God to them. This religious person struggled with Jesus' definition. He admitted the truth at the end, but he couldn't say the word Samaritan. Our neighbors are the unborn, the elderly, those who are not able of caring for themselves. Or even if you consider the three of those together, there is this thing called euthanasia. It takes place in our world. It is illegal in many fashions in our country. It is somewhat sketchy as to what's legal and what's not. That's not my purpose for the day. You can do some research on euthanasia. But I'm telling you, it's happening around the world. And they are our neighbors as well. And and, and are we recognizing our responsibility to these people? They have needs, and we may be able to meet some of those needs. Our neighbors are the trafficked. Let's, Let's pause there just again for another moment. Who are the trafficked? Men, women, children, boys and girls. Kidnapped often, picked up off the side of the road, and they're they're trafficked. Human trafficking takes place in our world. Human trafficking takes place in our communities. And it's horrific. And they are our neighbors. And if we pass by on the other side, we're no better than that religious person. We are called to recognize our neighbors for who they really are. And there are trafficked people in our world. And maybe God has someone in this room that he wants to call into meeting that need of fighting against trafficking, human trafficking, of somehow ministering to the trafficked, the starving I mean, that's something we're, we're familiar with. We know that starvation is happening throughout the world. It's also happening in our communities. And, and we'll talk to, touch base on here uh, a little bit later. We'll point this out. But we're able to do this both locally and globally. We ought to be involved. It's not social gospel when you're bringing the gospel to the people who are starving. We're not bringing just food. We're bringing food, water, and the gospel to people. That's our mission. It's to make them mature, and people need food. And we ought to be involved in that. What about the poor and prosperous? I wanted to put those two together because Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you always. But Jesus was not going to be with them always. But listen, we're good with ministering to the poor. What about the prosperous? They have needs too. Certainly spiritual needs. But they may actually have some physical needs that we might be able to step into. You know, in the grand scheme of the world, we are the prosperous. Don't we have needs? Don't we need a loving arm to come alongside and encourage us? Do we not need someone to listen to us and, 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 the, and the pressures of our life? Are there not needs that money cannot solve? And we tend to think that the money is, money is the solution for everything. No, money's the root of all kinds of evil. But our neighbors, these are our neighbors, every one of them. The addicted, the prostitutes, the prisoners. These people who are often on the fringe of our society, they gather together as the addicted, and they gather together in corners over here or, or abandoned buildings over here or, or in nightclubs over here or in bars over here or, or wherever they might. But they will, they will find their commonality and their community based on their addiction. And yet they need Christ. And they need someone to love them to Christ. I don't know of any direct person in our congregation that's ministering to prostitutes. And obviously there are certain elements of this that you have to be uh, careful of. But I think the prostitution and the trafficking are, are very are tied together. You minister to one, you're probably ministering to both. We have ministries within the people of our church. They go out into the prisons and they minister to the prisons. And that's wonderful. They're meeting the needs of those neighbors. I have a personal interest in, in, in those trapped in a cult, whether it's a Christian cult or some other false belief or whatever. They, they don't know what they don't know. Our neighbors are our neighbors. The people that live right next door or behind us or whatever they might be, they're our neighbors, they're our bosses, our coworkers, our employees. These are all people that we know, and I, I, we have to open our eyes to the reality that God has called us to join in his love for the world. Our neighbors are the people in the LGBT plus communities. We, we, we often don't know what to do. Because we don't, we don't walk in these circles. We don't, we don't know necessarily how to converse. Will you be their friend? Will you love them to Jesus? Will you not treat them as a leper? Will you love them? Jesus touched the leper. He touched him, and his cleanness came into that leper's life and transformed him. Every one of our neighbors, everybody we've talked to up to this point, they have needs, and the gospel will meet their needs. Let's let's come to our neighbors even in the LGBT plus community. When I say even, that's that's a societal comment. Like even, like No, they're just like you and me. And we need to love them. You don't have to agree with them or anybody else we've listed. But you need to love them. You are not to shun them. You are not to kick them to the curb. You are not to diminish a single life or you deny the love of God that was shed for that life, and you deny the love that God has shown to you. Our neighbors are those of different ethnicities, and i 'm talking about all ethnicities are against other ethnicities i 'm not talking any i 'm not vilifying any one group i 'm vilifying all of them. We all point fingers. We all do these things because it 's part of human nature to separate ourselves from others and and to demean others, the gospel will have none of that. Our neighbors are the illegal immigrants. I had to put this one on here. You know my pet peeve is, is when politics gets in the way of our faith, when living life as a Christian, maybe they're healed illegally, but they're people. And God loves them. Let's find ways of ministering to them. Let's leave the legal illegal aspects of something to other people. Let's live out our faith in Christ and love them to Jesus. God has given us the opportunity since they've come into our country. Let's talk to them about Jesus. I added this one on here on, a, on its individual slide. Our neighbors are the refugees around the world because on the back table on the connection desk there's a, a box. And it has uh, some colored copies of the, a map of Ukraine. And Carol did a great job of explain, uh, expressing and explaining what's going on in Ukraine to the senior saints. So we, gather, we had a uh, gathering yesterday. It was a lot of fun. But she took some time to update. It was really it was well, well done. And there's a map over there. And it's her way of saying, will you take a map and will you pray for, for her family who lives in Ukraine? But there are refugees all over the world. And we, we, we have the ability, maybe God is working in the life of someone in this room or a group of people in this room to actually meet some of those needs. He's working in Carol's life and in many other people's lives. So our neighbors are whomever we despise in contradiction to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and let me say this, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm pleading with you and with myself. We need to evaluate the way we are looking at others all around us. Because if we are guilty of despising anyone, we are in contradiction to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it ought not to be so. Jesus told a Jewish leader to be like the hero of the story, a Samaritan. We're familiar with the story. How do you think Jesus would tell us the story? How would Jesus tell you the story? What, what, is, there, is there someone out there like the Samaritan for that Jewish? Is there someone? That's when we truly know that the Word of God is working in and through us. I had someone come up to me after the, the first service, broken, because of some of the things that were evidenced on these slides. Lessons from Wednesday Studies. We're going to do this pretty quick because uh, we're running out of time. But I'm going to say I I can't encourage you enough to watch those videos. In the first week, Dan challenged us with this this idea that everyone has value because they are created in in God's image. Everyone. God so loved the world. Everyone is created in God's image. The second week, this is the way I summed it up, uh, and, and maybe it was just one aspect of it, but this is what I walked away with. Everyone deserves compassion. I added the last part. I think it was probably in the mix of what, what was trying to be communicated, but these are my words, especially from those who've received compassion. If you're a Christian here, you've received the compassion of God. Let's, receive, let's extend the compassion of God to others. Not only that, but we know in Scripture that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are, we are God's ambassadors to this world, to spread His love and to spread the gospel and to to extend compassion to our neighbor. We are called to respond to those who deny the sanctity of life. We are, and that was the third week. Uh, Dan, uh, excuse me, Joe uh, did a great job of of that, and I I failed to bring this up for the first service, but I'll share it with you. Uh, We're going to tweak it and probably make this available uh, for for everyone, but this is one of the, the graphics that was handed out the last night. You can't read it from there, but it's talking. It uh, talks about a gospel ethic, and it's talking about how we respond to, in this particular context, how we respond to those who are involved in uh, the abortion and the community that would practice abortion, uh, or or be confused over it, which we'll get to in, in the next slide. But it talks about cultivating, listening, caring, advocating, speaking, restoring all the things that the gospel does for us we can take the gospel into these conversations and we are called to respond to those who deny the sanctity of life we're called to respond to those who are confused about the sanctity of life that's why we have real options and other pregnancy centers and people go there who are confused and they can go and get clear answers we are called to respond like Jesus would respond he didn't tell this religious leader oh go go pound sand Get out of here, you hypocrite. No, he met him at his need, and he met his need. He drew him to an understanding of the right answer, as hard as it was, for that man to recognize the truth. He knew what the truth was. The neighbor is the one who showed mercy. And we are called to show mercy as Christ would show mercy. We are called to proactively celebrate, support, and defend all human life. Every single one. We need to respond to God's call by being involved in global outreach to proclaim God's love to those uh, for whom Jesus died. We're doing that in a sense, right? We're doing that globally through IBM Global and, and uh, spreading the gospel. We uh, support other missionaries that do different things that are global. Uh, but we, we need to respond to God's call by being involved in meeting the global needs of our global neighbors. We can't fix them all. But as God opens doors for us to minister, let's minister. Let's get involved. We need to respond to God's call by being involved in local outreach to proclaim God's love to those for whom Jesus died. And we need to be involved in meeting the local needs of our local neighbors. This is a little bit more you know, tangible. All those groups are present in our culture and our society. Is God going to move in your heart and mind and wallet and hands and feet and vehicles to to go and and actually minister to these people? Are we as a congregation going to be involved in in ministering the gospel in a way other churches may not be ministering the gospel? Because we're willing to go where Jesus would go. God's purpose in sending His Son was to give life. As children, we are called to sanctify all life. And I hope that this morning, as we take a break from Galatians, that you've been challenged in some capacity to consider how God would have you to sanctify a life, or maybe many lives, in your world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And we pray, Father, that you would hear the cry of our heart. That we would not just be Christians. But we would be like Christ. And we would see all these people as you see them. And we would love them with a God-honoring love. And we would meet their needs as you have provided for us. As you provide for them, you may use us. In their provision, Lord, open the doors, open our eyes, open our hearts. And Father, help us to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came to save lives, but really for each person, it's a life that's most important to them at that very moment. And Father, as we consider if there's a life here this morning that is in need of saving, We pray that they would see your desire, not only for religious leaders, but for the very people who are crucifying Jesus. And he said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. Lord, I pray that, that anyone here that has not come to faith in Jesus Christ would see the clarity of your love for them and come to faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for them. When they cry out, To him, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And once saved, no condemnation, but a life full of living for your glory. And we thank you for this good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray.